Welcome to the Sunday Morning Podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Horsham. Morning. So uh, for those of you who don't know me, um, I'm Kate. Um, I'm married to Colin, um, together with the the Horsham Congregation Leaders. Um, You might see me running around chasing after our two-year-old daughter and apologising when she scampers down your row. Um, Colin uh, himself works for, for Kingdom Faith, for the church. I myself, I actually work for the NHS as a uh, lead psychological therapist, so that's what I do by day. Um, so as Clive said, we've been talking about this culture of grace. Um, so just to really quickly recap, in case either you weren't here or you've forgotten this big topic we're talking about, So a few weeks ago, Colin opened up this um, topic by dropping that lovely bomb and um, sharing his testimony about his struggles with pornography and the way that God used community and a culture of grace to bring healing and freedom. Um, And then the next week, Anna shared so beautifully her own testimony of her own struggles um, and what God did in her and what he's doing through her. And then last week we had a lovely science lesson um, as uh, God taught us, sorry, Colin taught us about the neurobiology of addiction, um, what happens in the brain in any addiction um, and how that fits in with what God says about renewing our minds. So, yeah, so I just ask you to bear with me. This is the first time I've shared and also, um, but you know, at least it's a nice easy topic. Um, (laughs) So we're fine. Um, Uh, So, just to give you an idea of what what we're looking at today. So, really aware that this topic may have brought up really painful things. Um, Whether that's because it's something that you've struggled with yourself or something similar, or because um, a loved one has struggled with that and that's um, caused quite hurt and and betrayal. Um, So I guess what's on my heart this morning, one of the things is to convince you that you are also on God's mind. Your healing is also at hand. That God is developing this culture of grace amongst us for your sake as well. We're going to think about what a culture of grace looks like. What does that mean um, for sort of the first chunk? And then the second chunk, I'm just going to share a little bit about, I suppose, my side of the story in terms of Um, our journey together and don't worry they do match up so it's fine Um, so I'm just going to pray Father God thank you so much for what you're doing in us Lord thank you for your love thank you for your grace for your mercy Father I thank you that we could search the whole earth and we would never find another one who loves even remotely like you Father you are such a good father you love us so well And Lord, I thank you that you are working in this for our good, Jesus, that you have great things in mind. And Father God, I just pray that our hearts would be open this morning. I pray that you would speak through me. Lord Jesus, just anything that is not of you, let it fall to the ground. And Father, let only your words remain. Amen. I just realised I forgot. I knew I was going to forget something. Thank you. Good, it has a little uh, popper thing. So, culture of grace. One of the things I really love about that title 
is that it's not about the problem, it's about our response to the problem. And, that, and I don't just mean the problem of like pornography addiction, I mean anything, any problem, whether it's the hurt that's been caused by it or something completely different, it's about our response to that. Why is God talking to us about it? Yes, absolutely, God is calling us to a greater level of freedom, greater level of purity, greater level of devotion, but he is also calling us, he's going deeper than that and further than that, and he's calling us to develop a culture of grace that shuns shame and enables freedom for all, for everybody, <laughs> which is really good news. He's preparing the way for us to be able to be open and vulnerable about the things that we struggle with and know that we will receive grace when we do, which is really exciting. I don't know about you, but I find that really exciting. He is calling us away from church ever having to feel like an episode of Keeping Up Appearances, yes. which, <laughs> if you don't know, was a sitcom in the 90s about Mrs Bucket or Mrs Bouquet, as she insisted her name was. And it is what the, what the title says. He's calling us away from that. And this is not just a series for a season. Sorry, it's not just for a series. It's not just for a season. He is going to be developing. And this is a process that we will be going through for years to come and for our whole lives, really. And we will be seeing fruit from what God is talking about today. We will be seeing fruit in years time, like now, but in years to come. Like it's God's in it for the long game. Whatever your struggle is, he has your healing in mind. You are on his mind. That is why he is talking to us about culture of grace, because he has your healing and your freedom in mind. So what do we mean by a culture of grace? What does it look like? How does it look like for the person who's just disclosed that they've really struggled with pornography addiction for a long time? What does it look like for the person who's really been hurt by it? What does it look for how we respond to each other in church? What does it look like in, in a marriage, in a friendship? So to understand this, we're going to spend a little bit of time thinking about two things, grace and truth, because they need to come together. So we're going to first think about grace. And the best way to, for us to understand grace is to understand God's grace. Because our grace is not, you know, great in comparison. So um, I love a word study. Um, whenever, pretty much whenever I read the Bible, I always end up looking up what does the what's the original word? What does that mean? Because you can have one word in one language and apparently the same word in another language, but we have all of these surrounding connotations to any word that we read that we're not even really aware of. Um, in, a, in any language, has that. So we don't always have a direct translation, do we? of a word. And I want to know, why did the author choose that word in, in particular? What were the kind of surrounding thoughts? So what does grace mean? And we don't use it massively kind of in our culture, apart from, you know, unless we're a Christian. Um, and, and grace in English doesn't really convey very well what God's grace is. So the Greek word for grace is charis. This means favour without expectation of return. It's acceptance of you, kindness towards you, and joy in you. <laughs> Whenever you read that word grace, that's what it means. I love this definition. The kindness of God to men, finding its only motive in the bounty and free-heartedness of the giver. Nothing to do with the person. The kindness of God to men, finding its only motive in the bounty and free-heartedness of the giver, unearned and unmerited favour. I think it would be really helpful to think about mercy and grace, and I think we've mentioned this already, um, that often we can, we can think of mercy as 
um, God not treating us how we actually do deserve. So we did deserve to be punished, but he didn't do that. Here, Jesus took our punishment. So mercy, God not treating us how we do deserve. Grace, then being given what we don't deserve. And I like to think of that, I find it really helpful, I'm quite a visual person, to think of that like, imagine if, if you were billions of pounds in debt, crippling debt that you could never, ever, ever live enough lifetimes to pay off. It's, it, it makes you destitute. And then somebody comes along and out of their own pocket pays that debt in full and brings you up to zero. That's mercy. And how grateful would you be if somebody did that? Oh my gosh, so grateful. But then grace goes further than that. Grace takes us from zero and it's like he puts billions of pounds back into our account. It's like we could never ever get to the end of that. We can never get to the end of God's grace. We can never get to the end of his love. I'm just gonna read quickly Ephesians 2. I'm getting all cotton mouth now. So, excuse me, I'll probably have to keep drinking something. So I'm going to read it from the truth version, which Pastor Colin wrote. So this is even more precious to me than it was a few months ago. Um, From verse 1, Ephesians 2. What you are now is in direct contrast to what you used to be. Once you were spiritually dead because your lives were full of sin and disobedience to God's word. That is how you used to live when you lived according to the world's standards because you were subject to God's enemy, belonged to his negative kingdom of darkness and were controlled by the spirit who still works in the disobedient. Oh, we were massively in debt. I'm just going to skip to verse four. Despite all of this, because of his great love for us, God, who is so rich in mercy and because he loves us so much, actually brought us to life with Christ, even when we were spiritually dead because of our sins. What a wonderful work of his grace to save us out of the death and darkness of sin, out of the hands of the evil one we once served. Oh, mercy. Yeah. Now even more. Grace. Now he has actually raised us up with Christ and Caesar seated with him in heavenly places because he has placed us in Christ Jesus. He has done this so that in the future we might demonstrate that the riches of his grace are so immense that nothing can be compared to such riches. And this grace has been shown to us because of his kindness towards us, expressed in all Christ Jesus has done for us. Ah, I love that. So you could summarise grace like this. It's the nature of God in giving all to those who deserve nothing. Brief summary. Um, One of my favourite songs is Living Hope. It's one that we sing here. And I just cannot sing it without crying. I really can't. Because I feel like it it was like it was written for me. Um, The second verse says, um, Who could imagine so great a mercy? What heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory to wear my sin and bear my shame. Oh, where my life would be without him. When it says in the, in, I think in Psalms, he redeems me from the pit. He really did redeem me from the pit. Don't know about you, but I was in a pit. His grace. Grace is also his spiritual enabling. So his grace enables us to do things we might not otherwise be able to do. 
Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. And I think in the truth uh, version it says, no matter what the nature of our need, which I, I love that. So what does it mean for us to show grace? Well, I think firstly, we, know, we need to know that we've received that grace. And we need to know that that grace is not just, oh, just be kind to you, I'll be a bit nice to you. That grace is, from what we can see, we will spend our whole lives trying to understand how immense that grace is. But I think grace is a bit like love. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because he first loved us. So we, we receive his love and that enables us to show love. So we must receive his grace. We must know that we've received his grace in order to be able to show that grace. Um, I'm just going to quickly read another thing. And this is from one of my favourite books. It's called The Good God and it's by Mike Reeves. And uh, it's about the Trinity, which sounds like a really dry subject, but it's incredible. I would really recommend this book. So this is about the love, but also I think this applies to grace as well. Um, You'll see what I mean. While the father loves the son and the son loves the father, there is a very definite shape to their relationship. Overall, the father is the lover, the son the beloved. The Bible is awash with talk of the father's love for the son, but while the son clearly does love the father, hardly anything is said about it. The father's love is primary. As the Apostle Paul observes in 1 Corinthians 11.3, Now I want you to realise that the head of every man is Christ, the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. In other words, the shape of the father-son relationship begins a gracious cascade. I love this picture. Like a waterfall of love. As the father is the lover and the head of the son, so the son goes out to be the lover and the head of the church. And therein lies the goodness of the gospel. As the Father is the lover and the Son the beloved, so Christ becomes the lover and the church the beloved. <laughs> that means that Christ loves the church first and foremost. His love is not a response given only when the church loves him. His love comes first and we only love because he first loved us. That dynamic is also to be replicated in marriages. Husbands being the head of their wives, loving them as Christ the head loves his bride, the church. He is the beloved, sorry, he is the lover, she is the beloved. For eternity, the father so loves the son that he excites the son's eternal love in response. Christ so loves the church that he excites our love in response. And the husband so loves his wife that he excites her to love him back. Such is the spreading goodness that rolls out of the very being of this God. Oh, that's amazing, isn't it? I love that. It has to come from God first to us. We have to, we have to receive it. We have to know that we have received it. And we have to understand it to some degree to understand that we've received it, if that makes sense. And I think a really good way of describing grace, and I, I read that I read somewhere, but I can't remember where. Um, grace is love in action. So if we want to know what it looks like to be gracious, we want to know what it looks like to love. And 1 Corinthians 13 says this very, very well. It's being patient, being kind, trusting, protecting, hoping, persevering. Um, there's a really lovely demonstration of grace. Um, there was in, in the 2016 Olympics. If I mean, I'm not really a big watcher of the Olympics, I'll be honest. I actually heard about this somewhere else. But um, 
uh, in the women's 5,000 metre race, I don't know if anyone remembers, there were a uh, runner from New Zealand, Nikki Hamblin, runner from the USA, Abby D'Agostino. Um, during the race, they collided and both women fell to the floor. Um, D'Agostino was first up, but rather than running on, she stopped to help Hamblin up to her feet. They started to run, um, but it became clear D'Agostino was injured and she collapsed and it looked like the race is over for her. This time, Hamblin stopped, helped D'Agostino up, encouraging her, get up, get up, we need to finish this. And they both finished and made it to the finals. <laughs> I think that's wow. such a brilliant story. Wow. Um, lovely picture of Grace. The, uh, the runner who got up first didn't shout over her shoulder like, I can't believe you're down there, you're such a disgrace, get up, what are you doing? <laughs> um, didn't ignore it. Like, oh, I'm just going to keep running, pretend I haven't seen that. Um, but also, and this is going to be important for what we talk about later, he didn't pick her up. She didn't pick her up and carry her. <laughs> she encouraged her to run the race herself, which is really important. Um, so we also, I also mentioned that we're going to talk about truth as well as grace. And these things are so important, they need to come together. Jesus is our best example of that, what that looks like. John 1, verse 16 to 17 says, Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And another version says, Jesus was full of grace and truth. So another word study. Um, sorry, it's going to be a few of these. Um, truth. What does that mean? <laughs> um, I don't know, I'd just really like to understand what is, I know it may, might sound obvious, but what does it mean? The Greek word aletheia, it means reality. And the opposite of aletheia is illusion. So everything that Jesus said and everything that Jesus did was to shatter illusion and reveal truth, reveal reality. Which is really cool. When you read what he's saying, you're thinking, Wow, what illusion is he shattering here? Wow, what truth or reality is he revealing? And really, you could summarise it like this. He's revealing what it looks like in the kingdom of God. What the kingdom of God looks like. So when he says the first shall be last and the last shall be first, what illusion is he shattering? What truth, reality is he revealing? When he says love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. When he starts off the Lord's Prayer with our Father, what illusion is he shattering? And what truth is he revealing? So this is so important. He was full of grace and truth. It wasn't one or the other. It was both. And you can see in each interaction how he knows exactly how to show those things. And he does it expertly, <laughs> which I suppose we shouldn't be surprised by. Um, when we read about the woman who was caught in adultery and these religious men are going to stone her to death and he says, whoever sins first, you go, you throw the first stone. And one by one they all go, oh yeah, okay, no, not me. <laughs> and they all go. And uh, he says, anyone left to condemn you? And she says, no. And he says, neither do I condemn you, go and sin no more. So in his grace, he rescued her from being stoned. But his truth with immense kindness and gentleness. Go and sin no more. I think sometimes we can read that as a bit of a, 
now I've rescued you, make sure you don't sin. We're keeping an eye on you. Um, but I don't think it was that. It was, it was a freeing statement. It was a, you can go and sin no more. You can leave that life behind that you had before that you were stuck in. Go and, free, go and sin no more. It was a freeing statement. He was speaking truth. John 4. When Jesus speaks to the Samaritan woman, by the way, I'm not going to read it all through now because I'm aware of time. Um, but a lot of this can go over our heads because we don't always know the kind of um, context. So firstly, he's speaking to a Samaritan and there was a lot of hatred between the Jews and the Samaritans at the time. They, um, the Samaritans were considered racially inferior. They were considered heretics. Um, so to speak to a Samaritan, for a Jewish man to speak to a Samaritan woman is like, ooh, What's Jesus doing? Um, but a woman. And in that time, uh, a Jewish man speaking to a, a strange woman he didn't know in a public place was scandalous. So he's speaking to a Samaritan woman. But also, it says a woman out in the heat of the day. And what that suggests to us is that she had to come out when no one else was around because it was the heat of the day. She had to come out to get her water in the worst part of the day because she was an outcast. <coughs> So she was an outcast in an outcasted society. Can't really get much, many more barriers than that. But Jesus just like crashes through all of those barriers because of his grace. Um, but he speaks truth to her. And again, with such kindness and gentleness and so tactful as well. I mean, maybe that's not the right word to use, but he knows exactly what to say and how to say it to, to open her up, not shut her down. And he speaks directly into her situation. And if you read it, you'll notice he sort of almost pretends that he doesn't know what's going on with her. And then it like reveals, actually, I do know what's going on with you. And he reveals who he is as well, his truth. He reveals who he is and what that means for her, his grace and his truth. When interacting with people who knew their need of him, so much grace, but also so much truth with so much kindness. I think we learn a lot from him. <laughs> um, so, to summarise then, what a culture of grace looks like, what that means. It means a culture of people, filled with people who are filled with grace and truth, just like Jesus, who have first received that grace, that love, that forgiveness, that mercy from God. And then it goes out from there. It's a culture of People who give all to those who deserve nothing. And we all deserve nothing. <laughs> so we're all like that. It's a culture of people who show favour without expectation of return. Who show acceptance, kindness, joy. But it's also people who are full of truth. Of who we all are in Christ. That I'm full of the knowledge of who you are in Christ. And who you are in Christ and who you are in Christ, and you're full of the knowledge of who I am in Christ. And that's how we treat each other and speak to each other. That there's that grace that when that vulnerability needs to be there, that there's such grace. But there's also truth. Does that make sense? Yeah. <laughs> um, those, that grace and that truth comes together to open up and heal, not shut down. It's love in action. It's a culture where I know I, I can be, you can be deeply vulnerable and you know that you will be supported, you will be shown that grace, that love. And uh, Jen Reed, who, who led the 
um, prayer meeting this morning. I love how she described it. She said, it's a culture where people are not hindered by shame. Ah, that's what, that's what. Oh, man, I don't know about you, but I want that with all my heart. An example, a culture where somebody can disclose struggles with something like pornography addiction and know that there's no shame anymore and that they will be met with grace and truth. It's where someone who has been so hurt by, by maybe that or something completely different and they know that they can share that with somebody and they will be met with grace and with truth. John 13 verse 35 says, By this, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. That's how we do it. We're asking, how do we show people who Jesus is? We love one another. <laughs> a culture of grace is a safe place. Whatever the struggle, a culture of grace will shun shame and enable freedom. That's what it looks like. So that's kind of the background of what I want to share now, which is a bit of my side of the story of what Colin has shared. So <clears throat> just to recap... Um, so Colin disclosed, uh, sorry, Colin shared ha- his testimony and he said how he disclosed very early, early on in our relationship his, about his struggle with pornography. Um, and it's something that he fought with um, for some years into our marriage. And um, God spoke really clearly to me. Um, what he said really enabled me, really supported, helped me to support Colin. But it also really protected my own heart. And I think that's a really important thing to, to remember, that this grace is not just so that we can be crushed whilst we're under the weight of someone else. But it actually protects us as well. Um, and I think one of the things that made it so much easier for me, and I appreciate this won't be the case for everyone, that Colin was really honest from the start. Um, and I think that actually was a real protection about it, not wounding me when it really could have. Um, And I just want to acknowledge before I carry on that this might not be the situation that you have. The situation you are in might be much harder, might be much less straightforward. There might be a lot of hurt um, to process and a lot of trust that needs to be rebuilt. So please, 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 when I'm saying all of these things, hear that, please hear it's not a case of, this is just what you need to do, you just need to grin and get on with it. It's not like that. Um, at all. My heart is that hopefully some of these things will maybe bring some healing, um, but also put some tools in your hands, some weapons in your hands to fight back at the enemy (laughs) and protect you. It's for you as well. It's for your protection. Is that okay? Makes sense? Cool. (laughs) So the first thing that God really put on my heart, he said, that I must always remember who I am in Christ, that's like, sounds like really basic, but I mean, how often, I don't know about you, but I forget quite a lot, um, to remember that firstly, first and foremost, I must remember I have been forgiven much, that helps me forgive much. I have been loved much, that helps me to love much. I am accepted, I am his child. I can come before his throne of grace with confidence. I must remember that, I must be firm in that. I cannot, I can't, I can't. Without that, I can't. (laughs) I can't. Um, Number two, 
Always remember who he is in Christ. Oh man, so important, (laughs) so vital. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. And that was like my bread. (laughs) That verse. And I love, again, another word study. Um, Where it says the old has gone, the old has passed away, that means rendered void, disregarded, passed by. So the old person that Colin was has been rendered void, disregarded, and passed by. (laughs) Same for me. Same for you. The new has come into being. And that into being means emerged, born, transitioned from one realm to another. Wow, that's really powerful. (laughs) So the old person that Colin is, rendered void, disregarded, passed by. The new has been born has transitioned from one realm to another. And that was like, I have to remember that. I have to always live that. And therefore, the next point, what he is struggling with, that is not who he is. And that was so key. That's not who he is. Not anymore. Not anymore. Um, Yeah, I don't think I can say any more about that. It's not who he is. (laughs) Um, And I'll come back to that in a minute. Fourth thing, we are a team. We are one. Whatever comes against him comes against me. And it's the same in church. Whatever comes against you comes against me. And whatever comes against me comes against you. I really don't want to quote High School Musical, but we're all in this together. (laughs) I just can't help it, sorry. I don't even like that film. Anyway, no offence to Zac Efron and all the others. Um... Oh, I've lost my train of thought now. Yeah, we're a team. We're one. So when he is tempted, because he is a new creation, it doesn't come from within. It comes from the enemy. Yes. And that's so important. That was so important for me to know and for me to remind him. It's not who he is anymore. And therefore, I need to point my sword in the right direction. That's right. Yeah. If I point it at him, firstly, I'm joining in the attack. Yeah. Secondly, I'm open. I'm vulnerable. And then maybe he might attack me back as well, because he's defending himself. (laughs) And so we're both open to attack. So with one stroke, the enemy can damage both of us and our relationship. So what did this look like in practice? So whenever Colin was struggling, if he felt tempted, or if he was just, just really struggling, reminding him that we are a team. We are, again, in this together. That whatever comes against him comes against me. And I would say that to him. It's coming against you, but it's also coming against me. And we need to face this together. Um, But just to be really clear, it is not about codependency and it is not about enabling. Very different things, aren't they, to what we're talking about. But easily, I think, easily confused. It is not my responsibility to carry him across the finish line. And it's not your responsibility to carry anyone else across the finish line. Like that story we heard of over earlier, she didn't pick her up and, like, you know, try and carry her. I don't think she'd have got very far. Um, She's, come on, we need to finish this race. She encouraged her to finish the race. She supported her to finish the race. It's not codependency. It's not about Colin being dependent on me to hear God. It's about me supporting him with, what, with the truth, if that makes sense. 
So then I need to remind him of the, that truth, making sure that what I said and how I treated him was consistent with the truth about who he is in Christ. And, you know, who we are in Christ, that's something we're going to be looking at in, in coming weeks, I think, so we won't go into what it really means now. But it comes back to that, what we saw about truth, that truth means shattering illusion and revealing reality, revealing truth. So the truth is, or the illusion might have been for him that he might be thinking, he was thinking, you know, um, I'm always going to be stuck with this. This is just who I am. I'm never going to be free. That's the illusion. And that's the illusion that Jesus wants to shatter. Because actually, the reality is, the truth is, he is a new creation. The reality is that when God looks at him, he sees Jesus because he's in Christ. That means when the enemy looks at him, he sees Jesus because he's in Christ. He might, not pretend, he might pretend that's not the case, but it is. The truth is, this is who you are. But it isn't about shoving scripture. I'm not saying I just like, you know, struggling. I just got out of my Bible and shoved scripture down his throat. It's not about that. Comforting, empathising, listening, but not agreeing with the enemy. Really important. I love this quote by Martin Luther. Either sin is lying on your shoulders or it is lying on Christ, the Lamb of God. And if it is resting on Christ, you are free. That's just really cool. We can be ignorant of truth, we can be ignorant of reality, but it doesn't change the reality of that reality. We can be blind to it, we can dismiss it, we can be unbelieving of it. It doesn't change the reality of that reality. Truth is still truth, whether we know it, see it, receive it, believe it or not. And we we have a choice. (laughs) Again. It's not about codependency. It's not about enabling. His responsibility is to finish the race, not mine. Does that make sense, the difference? The next one. So this is the one that might be a little bit um, painful, um, but might bring up some pain to people. So um, I am not a really self-assured person. And like in in the spirit of vulnerability, like... um, if you knew me 15 years ago, 15 years ago? Yeah, 15 years ago, more-ish. Um, you would, I'd be unrecognisable to you. Um, the confidence that I have doesn't come from me. It comes from him. I was in a mess when God found me. I'm not a self-assured person, so I'm not standing here being like, oh, it didn't affect me because I'm so self-assured. It wasn't like that. But God made it really clear to me this is not a reflection on you. So clear. It was like, pornography is not a reflection on you. Pornography is not reality, basically. That's what it comes down to. It's not reality. It's about escaping reality. It's a way of medicating and managing stress. What pornography offers is not real. No one could ever live up to that because it's not real. (laughs) Therefore, it's not a reflection on you. There is no competition. You are the real deal. I am the real deal. Porn is the counterfeit, not me. (laughs) And that's like, oh, it's so important. I really hope, if nothing else, that 
that if you're struggling with this, you take that home. That it's not a reflection on you. It really isn't. I promise you. This is so important. It is not a failure to feel betrayed or hurt. So this is where like, I'm just so aware that the situation you might be in might be really, really, really hard. Way, 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 way harder than the situation that we were in. <laughs> like, so much harder. It's not a failure for you to feel betrayed or hurt. The likelihood is if you feel betrayed or hurt, it's because you have been betrayed, you have been hurt. Trust may have been broken, that needs to be rebuilt. Grace does not mean repressing that. It doesn't mean pretending it's not there. Psalm 34 verse 18 says, God is near to the brokenhearted. He saves those crushed in spirit. He wants to bring healing and he wants to bring hope. As I said, please know it's never been a reflection on you. You are, you always have been enough. You are not responsible for rescuing or fixing. He or she still has to run the race. That is his or her responsibility. God wants to encourage you, that he wants to gift you with grace. And remember what grace is. Favour without expectation of return. Acceptance, kindness, joy. Not just for the sake of your spouse, but for you too. His grace protects and heals your heart. And I know we've very much been talking in the context of pornography and married couples, but um, this is just an example. This culture of grace is relevant for all of us. And it's also an example of anything where you've been hurt. Um, it applies to you, whatever your situation. You might just, you know, it's just an example we're using. So, it's now time for us to respond. Um, I hope all of that has made sense. I know we've kind of sped through it quickly. <laughs> um, God wants to give us hope and help to start the process of healing. But as I said, it's not just about this area. You might think, oh, this isn't applicable to me. But it is. We live in a world that needs followers of Jesus that, like him, are full of grace and truth. Where people who don't point and judge and condemn, they also don't ignore and pretend it doesn't matter. But people who help them run the race, show them grace, show them truth. They shatter the illusion of who the enemy says somebody is and reveal the truth of who Jesus is and who he says they are, what he has for them. That's the culture of grace. That's not just for us, it's, you know, it's for everyone. So this is going to be a process that we will go through in over the next few months, over the next few years. So when we're responding, this isn't a... Right, this, I mean, it might be that God does something in an instant. And that's great if he does. Amazing. But I really believe that this is like a first step of a process that God is going to take us through. So firstly, are we ready? This is an invitation God is giving us. And this is to everybody, by the way. This is to every single person. Are we ready 
to allow God to develop amongst us a culture of grace. Yay! Are we ready for the coming months? <laughs> that God might be dealing with stuff and he will provide opportunities for us to show grace. Are we ready for that? Um, so that's the first response. That's the first invitation that God has given us and that's something we're going to respond to in a minute. The second is for those who have been hurt. As I said at the beginning, God has plans for you as well. And I hope by now, if you weren't already, that he, you're convinced of that. That he is gently, kindly, lovingly inviting you on a journey, a process of allowing him to heal you, restore you, give you back your confidence and your joy. We might sometimes wonder why does God heal in an instant and other times he doesn't. He takes us through a process. And I remember asking God this once years ago. And I always remember, and I've probably said it to people before. Um, I asked him, God, why do you do that? Why sometimes you just do that and other times you don't? <laughs> you just like, take us through this process. God, why can't you just do that and it just be sorted? And he said, because I'm not a magician, I'm your father. And like that... That was like, oh. Sometimes he does do that, and he knows when he needs to, and he does, he will do that. But he's our father. If he just did that all the time, he's like a magician, do you know what I mean? But he's not, he's our father. He wants to walk through the process with us. This will be a process that God works in you, and it will be with others as well. Because the important thing is to know is that you are not alone and you don't have to face this alone. And actually one of the, the reasons why I believe God might not do this is because he wants us to learn to be vulnerable with one another. And he wants us to learn to be gracious towards one another. If we can only go to God but we can't go to each other. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, it doesn't make sense. And in a moment we're going to respond, but just to, to say, if you, if as a woman, you're a woman and you have struggled with this and actually you want to make that first step of that walking in that process of healing, um, you don't have to do it alone. You can email um, Anna Andrew, so anna.andrew at kingdomfaith.com. She will work something out for you, essentially. Men, you can email colin.squires at kingdomfaith.com. Those outside Kingdom Faith, you can email puredesire at kingdomfaith.com. There's a hope of starting groups next year for women who have this has been a, something that's caused them hurt. Um, please know that if you do choose to, to do that, it is a safe place for you. Please know that you will not be judged, you will not be shamed, you will not be condemned, you will not be told to forgive and get on with it, you will not be ignored. You will be listened to, loved, empathised, supported, encouraged and built up. And it will be confidential. And as we've mentioned before in previous weeks, disclosure and honesty is so important, as I mentioned earlier. 
but it must be in the right time and in the right way. So we we ask you to, if you want to learn about disclosure, to, to, to come into one of the groups. It needs to be done in the right way at the right time because if it's done too early, it can be more damaging. So, can we stand? So we're going to respond to this invitation that God's given us. And it's quite simple, really, how we respond to this. Firstly, we need to know that we've received his grace, that grace that we were talking about earlier. Just start to thank him. Even if you don't feel it, thankfulness is a really great way to start. Thank him for the grace that he has shown you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you redeemed us from the pit, Father God. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace, for your immense grace, your immense mercy. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus, that your grace is always sufficient. Your mercies are always new every morning, Father God, that we can never get to the end of that grace. Father, thank you that we could scour the earth and never find anyone who loves us nearly like you do. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Just thank him for his grace, for everything. Just think through the things that he's done in you, what he's given you. That he didn't just bring your bank balance up to zero, but he put billions of pounds in there. He gives you, you stand freely in the flow of God's gifts, that you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, that he has given you everything you need for life and godliness, that you will never be without, that he will never leave you or forsake you, that he is with you, that he is your shepherd, that goodness and mercy follow you every day of your life. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Just ask yourself, do you know that you've received that grace? Because that has got to be your starting point. Do you know that you've received that mercy, that forgiveness? If you don't, maybe that's something that needs to be talked about first. It's so vital. Oh, Father, I just thank you that you just reveal to anyone in here that is is not absolutely sure of your love for them. Father, I thank you that you reveal that to them. Lord Jesus, that you shatter the illusion that they are somehow different, that they are somehow worse than other people, that they are somehow less. But Jesus, that you shatter that illusion and you reveal the truth that you died for them, Father God. That everything, that everything from the past, every the old person has gone and the new person has come. Father, that person has been buried and done with Jesus. 
that you have done everything that needed to be done for them to come to you with confidence. Father God, that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that shame is a thing of the past. It's something that we do not have to live with anymore because of your grace and your mercy. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we just shatter any illusion that says that you have not given us your grace. Any illusion, any lie that says that you have not given us your mercy, that we are not truly forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. And now we're going to think about that that first invitation. Are we ready to allow him to develop a culture of grace amongst us? And as I said, he will provide opportunities for you to show grace and for you to receive grace, actually. (laughs) And just talk to him now. And just, if you're ready for that, just say, yes, yes, Lord. I'm ready for that. I'm ready for that process. And I'm not going to pray over the mic because I want you to really be able to concentrate on being really honest with God. And if if you're not ready for that, say, and you, but you want to be, Jesus, help me to be ready. <laughs> help me to say yes. Give me your grace, your spiritual enabling to be able to take a step forward into this. So I'm just going to give you a moment. I just ask you to, to respond. You don't have to be loud. Maybe just say it under your breath, but I just ask you to respond. Oh Lord, we are so, I don't know about anyone else, but I am so ready. <laughs> I am so ready for this culture of grace. Lord, thank you that vulnerability is not weakness, it's power, it's powerful. And Father God, thank you that you are calling us to be a people who will show the world your love because of how we love one another, how we can be so open and so vulnerable with one another about anything and everything. And we know that we're going to receive grace. Father God, I'm so ready for that culture of grace. And Lord, I just pray that you take us through whatever you need to take us through. You take us through that process. However you need to do it, Lord Jesus, we submit to you. We surrender to you. Whatever you want to do, Father God, do it. Whatever you need to, to, to peel away, Lord, peel it away. Father God, whatever you need to, to reveal to us, reveal it to us. Father God, thank you that you will give us opportunities to show your grace. And thank you, Lord, that when you do, you will give us your grace to be able to respond with grace. Father God, thank you that we are becoming a people who are so full of the knowledge of your grace, so full of the knowledge of your truth, Lord God, that it just comes out of us, Father. Oh, Lord, we say, I say yes. I say yes. Jesus, take us through through this process. Lord Jesus, transform us into the likeness of your Son. This is what we want, Father. This is our heart's desire, that we would become more like you. Father, that we would demonstrate your love so well to the world, Father God, to everyone else, to each other, that we would be such clear reflectors. We would be like mirrors, just showing who you are, Father God, your goodness, your grace and your mercy. Thank you, Father. 
And now the second part. Now this is specifically for people who have been hurt. Um, and this doesn't have to be about the area of pornography. It could be anything. And you're carrying hurt that is crushing you. Um, now God is inviting you and saying, I want to take you on a process of healing. And he just wants you to know that this series is for you. This culture of grace is for you. It's so that you can have healing. He sees your hurt, he sees your pain, and he's inviting you to come with him. He's inviting you to to open up to him and to other people. 1 Peter 5 verse 7 in the Amplified translation says, Cast all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns on him once and for all. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you carefully. Thank you, Father God, that you watch over us carefully. Lord, that you have our best interests at heart, Father God, that we are not far away from you, Jesus, that as Sarah sung earlier, that your arm is not too short to save. Jesus, that we, there is nothing too big for you. You are the beginning and the end. There is nothing too big for you, Jesus. Oh, Father, oh Lord, I just pray for every single person who is carrying hurt, Lord Jesus. I thank you that you are taking them on a process of healing. And Jesus, I I pray, just pray that it will just be so clear, so clear what you want them to do. But Jesus, that it's, it's your power. It's your power that does it. So if that's you, I'm just not obviously not going to ask anyone to come forward or anything like that. Um, but just in yourself, if you are ready for God to take you on that process, then just say, yes. It's really simple. You don't have to worry about what that will look like, what you need to do. God will show you. As we say, we really, really encourage you to... to email in so we can start to connect with you and help you because this is not something to be done in isolation this is something to be done in community but you can just say yes so I'm just going to give you a moment to do that got planned for us you're so good and we're so excited for what you're doing we're so grateful that you would even give us a second glance let alone be so mindful of us and care deeply for us father we thank you for what you're going to do jesus we're just going to stay in this place. I'm going to pass over to Pastor Clive. But just stay in this place just whilst we come to an end. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.